the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now, it's the Rob Black Podcast. You can hear Rob live every weekday morning from 10 to noon on 910 AM and talk910.com. Woo, the news is warm. Jump right in. Today, factories are humming again. According to last month's data, and so were retailers. Retailers doing good, factories doing good, cash registers ringing. Here's Fox News Radio's Chris Barnes in Washington. They've been powering the recovery for months, continued to do so in April. Consumers sending total retail sales up nearly a half of 1%, a bit more than economists had predicted. It also marked the seventh month in a row that the Commerce Department's data shows an increase in total retail sales. Home improvement stores doing especially well last month. And the Fed's gauge of industrial production at factories, mines, and utilities also rose in April by more than expected, following a smaller gain in March. In Washington, Chris Barnes, Fox News Radio. USA, USA, USA. We're doing okay. You know, when factories are working, what's that mean? That means people are going to work and punching the the factory, the time clock. They're checking in, they're checking out. Factories are doing good. Manufacturing's doing good. Cash registers are ringing. What's that mean? People are spending money. And when you spend money on, let's say you buy a, a frock. I'm not exactly sure what a frock is, but let's say you buy a frock. Well, someone has to make that frock, and then they have to call UPS, or they have to call a trucker, and they say, hey, trucker, come pick up our load of frocks. The trucker comes and picks up the load of frocks, and he fills up his truck with gasoline, which was refined. So the gasoline companies, uh, they make their money, and they have their refineries working, and people are going to the refineries working, and sometimes they're getting blown up in the refinery, and the trucker brings the truck. And uh, while he's driving the the frocks in his truckload, um, he 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 hits a pothole and and the road kind of tears up. And suddenly the dude who's got the orange hat on, uh, he's making twenty bucks an hour directing traffic on a walkie-talkie, and he's making money and he's paying us. So this is all good news, ladies and gentlemen. This is all good news. Do we have the greatest job market in the United in the world? Uh uh-uh. uh But we're moving in the right direction, slowly like a glacier. Elsewhere, as British Petroleum launches another attempt to shut off a spewing oil well on the floor of the Mexican Gulf, there's new calls for answers about how much oil is actually spilling into the body of water known as the Gulf of Mexico. Here's Fox News Radio's Chris Barnes in Washington. As House Democrat Ed Markey pledges to determine once and for all the volume of the spill, BP stands by its estimate of 5,000 barrels or 200,000 gallons a day. But Purdue engineering professor Steve Worley says it's likely closer to 70,000 barrels or 3 million gallons a day. I can tell you how I got my numbers and tell you that I have confidence in my numbers. I think my numbers are right. Worley says he uses a unique methodology called particle image velocimetry to arrive at his estimate. Coast Guard Admiral Thad Allen saying he's not sure how much is spilled. We're attacking this as if it was a much larger spill anyway. Saying the size of the spill is less important than stopping it and mitigating its impacts. In Washington, Chris Barnes, Fox News Radio. I just pray every night. I pray to the baby Jesus. I said, baby Jesus, please make sure that oil doesn't hit the Gulf of Mexico. It doesn't hit Mexico. I like my Mexican resorts on, on the Gulf of Mexico. I, I tend not to like the Mexican side of the Pacific. 
I tend to like Mexico as far as my vacation destinations go in large part due to I don't like speaking English on my vacations. I like unplugging. I don't like seeing other Americans, so I, I, don't, I don't like it. Anyway, I know you're saying, Rob, enough about you. Let's move on to another story. A tidal wave of pink slips. It's about to hit the New Jersey schools. Fox News Radio's Todd Starnes reports. Jersey teachers may find themselves on the unemployment line. You know, I tried to deal with it the best I could. You know, I didn't make any kind of scene or anything or cry or anything like that. Thousands, including that woman, are out of work. The state's teachers union says the layoffs are unprecedented. But New Jersey's Republican governor says he had no choice. The union refused to compromise. Federal stimulus dollars are gone. And Governor Chris Christie refuses to raise taxes. As many as 85 percent of school districts will cut workers. In New York, Todd Starnes, Fox News Radio. Did you hear that? 85% of school districts are cutting in New Jersey. Now, now I, I only throw New Jersey out because I didn't have a story on California. I can tell you the whole nation stinks right now, and the whole nation's doing the same exact thing. And we as a nation are in trouble if we can't afford our teachers. And again, I know the teachers' union is incredibly powerful. I know that. I know the teachers will moan and groan, and, and they get some great benefits. I know that. But I'm telling you, we as a nation are in trouble if our kids don't get smarter, if our kids don't get teaching that they need. And I'm not sure they're getting in the public schools. I'm not saying this is a public school, private school debate. I'm not doing that. I'm just saying we as a nation, we're hurting right now, and this hurts even more. Elsewhere, Arizona business owners worried about a potential drop in tourism because of anger over their new immigration law. Michael Stevens manages the Hyatt Regency Hotel in Scottsdale. Unfortunately, the immigration bill was put into action without the consultation of the tourism community. It's extremely important that Arizona in general is viewed as being a destination. I love Arizona. They've got uh, the George O'Keefe Museum, um, I believe, is in Arizona. Actually, it's not in Arizona. Strike that. I don't like Arizona. There's nothing there. My only Arizona story is on the Grand Canyon. I was once watching the Flintstones and Barney and Fred are in their car and they're going to Rock Vegas. And they come up to a teeny tiny little stream and it says Grand Canyon. And Fred looks at Barney and says, I know it doesn't look like much right now, but in a couple thousand years, it's going to be spectacular. It's the only Arizona story that I got for you. And again, unintended consequences. Lawyers come up with this bill to try to, you know, maybe save a little bit of money, maybe uh, get some illegal immigrants out of the state faster. And look what happens. People in L.A. start boycotting you. Not going to come to Arizona to to relax and, 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 and chill. Unintended consequences. Last night, I was watching a little NBA, National Basketball Association. As the Cleveland Cavaliers fell to the Boston Celtics in Game 6 of the NBA East semifinals, the question looms right now of where will LeBron James go in free agency? How much is he going to cost? He's going to bankrupt the NBA. But what I heard last night was just weird. In the closing minutes of the game, the fans at Boston's TD Garden, Boston Gardens, Boston, keep that in mind, They're going to tell you where he's going to go. Listen up. Right now, the chance here at the TD Garden is New York Knicks. Boston fans getting creative. Cleveland sucks. He's got to get out of that city as soon as possible. If you've ever been to Cleveland, there's nothing there. Cleveland's famous for Drew Carey. Look at him. Look at him. That says everything. If he's their most famous citizen, he's got to get out. It's too small of a city. He's got he's got like Nike to think about. Nike says, uh, we want to sell to a lot of the, the kids. He's got to go to New York. There's no question about it. But to hear fans in Boston chime in on that, 
I think that's pretty cool. It tells you the fans in Boston know what's good for the game. Now, a lot of people will say if he leaves Cleveland, Cleveland will you know be a dead franchise for 10 years, and that's not good for the game. He's going to Chicago. He's going to New York. He is not staying in, in Cleveland. It doesn't make business sense. And business is all about money. Elsewhere, the king of pop. He's surrounded by sunflowers. You know, I just can't resist a good Michael Jackson story. I'm not sure if you can or can't, but Fox News Radio's Sabrina Sabah explains. This is it. Michael Jackson's burial site is covered in thousands of sunflowers, thanks to an internet posting by Lisa Marie Presley. The King of Pop's former wife said that the singer deserves more than just a few bouquets that previously surrounded his tomb. And a Los Angeles flower company answered the call by donating and delivering a field's worth of sunflowers. Sabrina Sabah, Fox News Radio. Okay, so it wasn't the best Michael Jackson story, but it was a Michael Jackson story nonetheless. He's surrounded by sunflowers. Doesn't that sound, I mean, even in death, he's the most eccentric and most unique person in, in, in celebrity fame. And finally today, Nancy Salas. She disappeared Wednesday. She went for a run and she was found two days later. She claimed she was abducted at knife point. Police later revealed her story was false. Eric Leonard with Fox News Radio affiliate KFI reports from Los Angeles. Nancy Salas has been returned to her family from Merced, where she initially told police she'd been the victim of a kidnapping. We have a very unfortunate situation. Glendale Police Sergeant Tom Loren says eventually Salas admitted she made it up, that she ran away realizing her parents would soon learn she had been lying about being a student at UCLA. Because of the fact that she was expected to graduate and the family was planning a graduation, she could no longer face the stress that she was facing. Salas's parents said they were just happy their daughter was coming home and didn't care about why she left. What's interesting about that is I don't want to go to work later today, so I'm thinking about faking my abduction. I want to go to Vegas and hang out with strippers and do a lot of cocaine, and I'm just going to say, hey, I was abducted. It's a great excuse, isn't it? Uh, no, it's never going to work. Anyway, I think that tells us something about our society, right? This this college girl or college-aged woman, she, she couldn't even be honest with her parents. Her parents thought she was in UCLA, so she had to finally concoct something to explain to them why she wasn't going to be graduating with, you know, and, and going through the walk and, and getting a diploma and, and finishing up college. That's a funny story to me. I, to me, uh, that's not quite a movie, maybe a made-for-television movie, but not quite a, a movie, movie, movie. I, that, I would see that well before I see Robin Hood. Anyway, and anyhow, I'm done with the headline news. Coming up on the Rob Black and Your Money Show, Dan Rusinowski from the San Jose Sharks. Moving on to the third round Sunday at noon, 19 a.m., more stimulating talk. Does money buy happiness? Well, do big houses, nice cars, and hot women make you happy? Then, yes, money definitely buys happiness. The Rob Black Show on 9, 10 a.m. More stimulating talk. Final four seconds of penalty time are ticking off on the clock. One more rush. Here's Getz Lapley for Scott Niedermeyer. Breaks in. Penalty is over. A centering attempt just got blocked. And the Sharks have a two-on-one mini one. Here's Heatley out of the box. Has Thornton moving in. Gives him the play. Break away. Thornton shoots. Scores! Joe Thornton, his first of the year. Great setup from Danny Heatley. And the Sharks have a 3 nothing lead. Since we last talked about a week ago, the Sharks have dispelled and put away the Detroit Red Wings, basically taking a big monkey off their back and burying them. It was an exciting series. It was a series that was wrapped up fast, four games to one. It's it's allowed the Sharks to rest as they waited for their next matchup, which ultimately is going to be Chicago on Sunday. Let's bring in Dan Rusinowski to talk about 
round three San Jose Sharks Stanley Cup playoffs. It feels pretty good to say round three, Dan. Boy, it sure does. It's only the second time in the history of the Sharks, Rob, as you know, that the San Jose has gotten to this point. People forget about that 2004 campaign. They played Calgary in the third round, but that was a different era of hockey. This is the first time since the rule changes and the more wide-open style of play that the Sharks have gotten back this far. And I can tell you, we're all gearing up for a really competitive series against Chicago. It should be a classic. Let's talk a little bit about what you just said, the rule changes. I think the 2003 season was a strike season in During the strike, they decided, let's open up the game, make it more easy for the average American to enjoy the the beauty of the speed of the game. Well, not just the average American, the average Canadian, too. I think what had crept into the game were, um, I guess you could say, lax enforcement of the rules of obstruction, the idea that uh, that it basically was a, a slug contest out there, and uh, you know the players that have all the talent weren't able to be in a position to make all of those great, you know, beautiful uh, plays in the offensive zone. So um, they eliminated the, the red line except for icing, so there's no more two-line pass. They shrunk the neutral zone by a few feet, thereby making it uh, more advantageous for a team in an offensive zone capacity because there's more room in the offensive zone. It was 60 feet in the old days from goal line to blue line. Now it's 64 feet, so there's more space. And they took away all the rules about holding, and uh, you know, the I guess you could say they weren't rules; they were more uh, standards. They were allowing some certain clutching and grabbing and holding and hooking, and they took those out of the game. And I just think that the product is so much better right now, and it's very exciting to to be in this position now at this elite level to see what the guys can do. Dan, I've loved hockey and I've followed professional hockey for thirty years, and that strike season it almost killed me. To you, a broadcaster, that must have been brutal on you. Well, it was terrible. I mean, the year of the lockout, it's, it's, it's always difficult to understand all of the issues involving um, labor versus management. And uh, I'm very glad that they finally got the system at least organized to a point where it works. And, you know, is, is, there, is it perfect? Of course not. But it, it's better, way better now than it ever was before. At least the teams understand um, what they're up against in terms of, of their player payrolls. And so they can be more responsible in planning. And that, that creates more parity. It creates more opportunity. And it also requires the team to be a little bit more on the ball when it comes to scouting players and to being ready for any kind of eventuality that might happen. And that's something the Sharks have been one of the best teams in the league at. So it's been, it's been great to see it. Now, I'm speaking with Dan Rusinowski, the voice of the San Jose Sharks, heard on 98.5 FM. The voice of, of hockey is amazing. I mean, you've got the you, you you've got the skills, but I would love that job, but I don't have the skills that you do. Sunday, Chicago versus uh, the Chicago Blackhawks against the San Jose Sharks. It's going to be a noon game. What can we expect in this series as far as minutes and matchups go? Who's the better team? Who's the the, the, the stronger team? The more skilled team? What can we what can we expect? It's pretty much a dead heat. I mean, the Blackhawks won the season series, but the, the schedule was a little bit disadvantageous to San Jose, where they went to Chicago twice. Both of the games that they played in Chicago were on second days after, you know, back-to-back games where they had played the night before and where the Blackhawks were the rested team. Uh, you know, a couple of games went to overtime. Uh, the Sharks had one of their big stinkers of the year at home against Chicago. Back in November, they, they lost 7-2 to in that game. They gave up three shorthanded goals and 
one game, which was a team record. So, you know, there have been some ups and some downs. I think that the, the big challenge for the Sharks, which they've been getting much better at, evidenced by the Detroit series, was playing against teams that make quick decisions with the puck. The Blackhawks do that, but they do that at full speed. So they're really, really dangerous when they have control of the puck in the offensive zone especially. But when they're coming through the neutral zone at full speed, that's where they're their most dangerous. And I think that the two series that they've faced against Colorado first and then against Detroit have really prepared them pretty well to handle that challenge. And, of course, on the other side of things, once you get into the offensive zone, Chicago's got great defense led by Duncan Keith, who's a Norris Trophy finalist, and also by Brent Seabrook. Those are two top defensemen that the Sharks are going to have to face. Jonathan Taves, their captain, is a young guy, but he's the leading scorer in the NHL in the playoffs with 20 points in only 12 games. So they've got Patrick Kane, who was on the U.S. Olympic team. Um, Taves was with Team Canada with a, with a bunch of Sharks. So these are guys that know each other very well. They have a great deal of pride in each other's uh, team performance. And so uh, that coupled with the respect, I think, should provide a, a series where the big difference could be in the size department. The fact that these are two big teams, they're really going to grind it out and try to wear each other out. And I think this series could be very physical. It'd be a fun series because if I were to break it down a little bit, their Fords are just as talented as our Fords, but younger or less experienced. And defense-wise, we've we got uh, Boyle, who's just – he's a lion-hearted player. He's a warrior. we got Blake, who's got kind of that old man. He's been around the league forever. He's been there, seen it all. He's not going to get rattled. Whereas they've got, like you said, Norris Trophy-winning defensemen. They've got some big boys back there who don't let anything get through. It's going to be a fun series. It's going to be great. And, you know, it, it, like I said, it, it could even come down to an interesting challenge in goal where Nabokov is having a great playoff. Antti Niemi, who's the goaltender for Chicago, is kind of an unknown quantity. Didn't play against the Sharks in the regular season. The other goaltender, Cristobal Huey, did. But Antti Niemi is a guy who's really uh, taken the bull by the horns for the Blackhawks and given him good goaltending. So that's another interesting challenge. How about they've got a player that I want people to know because I want them to kind of see what he is. I think his name's Dustin Buffalin. Um, yes, I can't quite I can't quite say his last name right. Well, it's, but, pr- it's spelled by Fuglian. For it, that's how it's spelled, but it's pronounced Dustin Bufflin, and uh, he is about 257 pounds. He gets in front of the net. He's playing with Taves and Kane. They're two top players at at least at this point. So his job is to create space and create havoc. He's just a big boy, and that's what I like about him. He doesn't have the skills. He doesn't have the hands. But it tells you that, that there's multiple ways to win games in hockey games. You can do well, it that's right. And, and, you know, on the other side of the ice, Ryan Clough is a force that the Blackhawks are going to have to deal with. You, you could say that Bufflin, is, he's not unstoppable, certainly, but he's big and strong. He's just as difficult to deal with in some respects as Thomas Holmstrom was with Detroit, but maybe less so in other ways because of the experience and the cunning and guile that Holmstrom has. So um, I, the Sharks are ready for that. They're, they're up for the challenge, and they're looking forward to it. Dan, what's the best for the Stanley Cup Finals? If To get through the four just incredibly long series, would you rather have speed? Would you rather have size? Would you rather have strength? Would you rather have talent? Well, obviously talent, but uh, you know every team has that to get to the Stanley Cup Finals. If you're, if, if you're talking about what type of a team that I personally would rather have, yeah. I, I'd rather have one just like the Sharks have, a combination of speed and size with great goaltending. Um, you, you have that. You can get through the playoffs physically. You can deliver punishment on the other side, but you're also playing a, an artistically beautiful style of game, and I, and I always really appreciate that. On the other side of things, you look at a team that's slightly smaller that is getting through, 
the Montreal Canadiens, and you really have to admire the way that they're playing, too. Uh, but they do it more with quickness and speed and, and uh, less so with the physical play. They, they have a great goaltender in Yaroslav Halak. So um, that's an interesting scenario as well. I know no one would take away the Sharks if, and this is a big if, if they win the Stanley Cup, but you would almost have to, you're a little disappointed that, what is it, a, a, a six seed versus a seven seed or a six or seven or eight is going to be in the finals on the East, where it's going to be a one or two seed from the West. Well, I'm not disappointed about any of it. If they have a chance to go to the Stanley Cup final, that team that got there will deserve to be in the final. There's no doubt. Um, you know, the fact that, say, Washington, who was rated number one, didn't get beyond the first round tells you that Montreal was more prepared for the playoffs, maybe, than Washington was. And the Caps were kind of in a position like the Sharks were a year before, where they were the top team in the league, got the President's Trophy, but didn't have all of the elements together, and so they suffered for it in the first round. Uh, that's not a terrible thing for Washington. They're, they're going to be better next year for it. But uh, if you look at the, the other surprises in the playoffs, it just goes to show you how close the NHL really is. And, you know, you have a hard luck story like Philadelphia on the verge of coming back from a 3 nothing deficit tonight against Boston. That's an amazing thing if Philadelphia can win because they lost their goaltender, Brian Boucher, who was their starter in the playoffs. And now uh, Michael Layton, who had been injured, is back into that. He was supposed to be the starter earlier, came through really big in Game 6, and now they're, they're faced with, uh, with a do-or-die in Game 7. But, again, only one other team, well, two other teams in the history of the NHL have come back uh, to win in seven games after being down three games to nothing. Um, one was the Detroit-Toronto series back in 1942, and the other one was the New York Islander-Pittsburgh Penguins series in 1975. But uh, other than that, only four other teams, I think it is, have come back from a 3 nothing deficit to even tie it. So what Philadelphia is doing is real great entertainment for the NHL as well. One of the things I really like, Dan, and I'm speaking with Dan Rusnowski, voice of the San Jose Sharks, heard game night at 98.5. One of the things I'm loving right now is I opened my Wall Street Journal yesterday, and there's an article, a full-page article on Joe Pavelski. Wasn't that awesome? It's, it's so nice to see the Sharks getting some respect nationwide. Well, and I, I love it, too, because like the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal has a, a kind of a formality about it where they're referring to him as Mr. Pavelski in the article. I thought that was really cute, um, something that, that we don't often see. But uh, it really is a tribute to what's going on business-wise as well, because people in the uh, in the business community are very interested in what's happening in the NHL. Their ratings are up on television. They're getting more interest uh, uh, nationwide on the Internet and on, on all of the other uh, technological ways that they're reaching their fan base, including the radio, of course. And I think that uh, I think that that's a, a very very nice compliment to have an article like that. One more thing that I want to throw out at you is uh, there's a player from Montreal, and Montreal's going to get into their semifinals uh, game right now. They're going to play the winner of Boston Philly, but they've got a player named Michael Camilleri who's just a stud in the playoffs. He's okay during the regular season. Pavelski stud in the playoffs, pretty good during the regular season. What is it about the the postseason that allows these? second-tier talents, and again, I say second-tier talent very loosely, and I'm not insulting them, but the big boys, they get their points, but the second-tiers, they get a chance to be heroes and, and sign big contracts for the future. It just goes to show you that hockey is, A, a sport of accountability, and B, it's an ultimate team sport. It takes all 20 guys that are dressed to make a contribution, including the backup goaltender in some respects, um, whether he's playing or not, uh, to be part of 
what's going on on the ice and off the ice in that locker room. And so with all of the attention that's being placed on the so-called top guys, that gives a little extra room for the so-called second-tier guys to make that contribution and to make big plays. And both the players that you're talking about are guys that score goals at big moments, at big times. And Camilleri's having an unbelievable year. He's right up at the top of the scoring, as Pavelski has been. Um, you know, each round, each individual grouping of players makes a bigger contribution, whether, you know, it's the Pavelski line more in the Colorado series and the Thornton grouping in the second round against Detroit. But that's only natural, the ebb and flow of it. But I, I think it's because you need all of those guys to work and because there's so much focus placed on the top guys that it gives those secondary scorers a little bit more room to do what they do best. And they can get a team that gets tired at a certain moment to throw them out there when they're fresh because of the intensity and the scope of it. It, it really is incredible to see them making those, those uh, points and scoring those goals. Dan, I've got about less than 20 seconds. What do you, how do you feel about Drew Reminda and Randy Hahn not getting to broadcast the final two rounds? It, it, it bums me out that Versus has taken it over. Well, it, it, I guess it's part of the business. Um, the fact is that the NFL has network announcers all the time. Um, it, it used to be that it worked the other way. But like I said, um, we, we're, we'll miss them. Um, the fact is, I'm very happy that that's not the case on the radio. I'm very happy, too, because I've got to have my local flair. Thanks very much. Thanks, Rob. Absolutely. So Dan Rusnowski, voice of the Sharks. Oh, love playoff time. Love hockey. It's not too late to jump on the bandwagon. I encourage everyone to tune in Sunday at noon. Listen to Dan Rusnowski. Turn up your radio. Turn down the TV. Watch it on TV. Go to a bar. You got to get in. This is exciting. It could put San Jose on a national sports map. Kind of nice to hear. It's Rob Black and your money. 9, 10 a.m. More stimulating talk coming up. I'm going to talk about Whole Foods. Yes, it's the relentless pursuit of financial perfection. Get in on it. Keep listening to The Rob Black Show on 910 AM. More stimulating talk. Welcome back in. It's The Rob Black Show. No, it's not The Rob Black Show. It's Rob Black and your money. They're forcing a new show name on me, and I hate it, but it is what it is. Rob Black and your money, so let's do a little bit of business time. It's business time. It's business time. It's business. It's business time. That's what you're trying to say. You're trying to say, let's get down to business. It's business time. What do we got today? Stocks are falling. The euro's falling. Oil's tumbling. All tied towards sovereign debt concern. It's going back to Spain and it's going back to Portugal. We've kind of put a box in the world of Greece as far as issues for the United States. And we're, we're good with it. Bonds are gaining. Flight to safety's gaining. Gold's gaining. But stocks, the euro, and oil all tumbling. Now, oil's down in large part. You might remember a couple years ago where when the dollar got weaker, oil got stronger. Well, the dollar is getting stronger now, and thus the price of oil is getting weaker. Or another way of saying it is the euro gets weaker, the dollar, the oil gets weaker. Kind of nutty. Now, the euro falls to the lowest level since the Lehman Brothers collapse. Now, here's my angle on foreign currencies. Don't get too worked up on them. They ebb and they flow. Is the euro going to go lower? Yes. I think Europe goes lower, in my opinion. 
Next up in the world of the business, the business, Visa and MasterCard. They're getting hit today on a surprising debit card vote. Visa fell as much as 9.4%, MasterCard 8% after the Senate included limits on debit card fees in the financial overhaul bill. So what's going to happen here is the Federal Reserve is going to be empowered to curb debit interchange or swipe fees. Now, what's interesting to note is Visa, they get about 2% every time you swipe your debit card, and they really shouldn't. Why do I say that? They should get some money when it's credit card swipes, but not debit card swipes. So says Senator Durbin, who says the interchange amendment uh, was necessary. Now, merchants last year paid about $20 billion in fees tied to debit transactions purchased, um, with more than half that amount paid to banks as interchange. Now, Visa and MasterCard collect royalties from banks tied towards cash cash spending. This could be disruptive, but Visa and MasterCard revenue would be unchanged if debit interchange fees went to zero. It just what they would kick back to the banks would be hurt. So the biggest harm to the stocks could be the perception that the bill hinders growth or that the perception of the bill would stop businesses from taking transactions. Or that, you know, Visa would basically Visa could just limit the number of people they sign up on the, the bill with uh, to do business with. So from what I'm hearing on Wall Street today, it's a buying opportunity, not a selling situation. For instance, Friedman Billings, Ramsey Capital, they're talking, you know, this is a surprise move. It was 6433 to adopt Durbin's amendment. Um, they expect Visa and MasterCard to react negatively. They note that this surprise, although not affecting credit transactions, will place downward pressure on the share prices of companies receiving interchange fees, which is the issuers, i.e. the banks, and not Visa or MasterCard who have the transaction relationship. So it's it's just interesting to note. Looks like a buying opportunity, according to Wall Street. Next up, TiVo. They've won a huge patent war with... Dish Networks and with EchoStar, basically they had this this legal battle that that went their way for infringing on a patent on the digital video recording services. But that court victory is going to be reconsidered now by an appeals court. So TiVo is down 30, 35 percent today. It's still publicly traded. It's still a great product. People don't want to pay for it anymore because you can get it basically for free or close to free from your cable company or something similar or your satellite company. So the court said that they're going to take a second look at the March 4 finding that Dish and EchoStar were still in violation of TiVo's patents, even after claiming they had changed their technologies enough to avoid infringement. So TiVo stood to get billions of dollars in royalties. Now they're maybe, maybe not. So it was all tied towards the time warp technology that lets users record a TV program and ultimately play it back at the same time. It first sued Dish and EchoStars in 2004 and... Well, this is where they are at this point in time. And finally, in business time today, sales at U.S. retailers climbed for April. Seventh straight month. And this is signaling that consumers are helping to broaden the economic recovery. This is good news. Sort of. See, in the world of economics and and business, there's typically not a right answer. There's typically an answer of, well, consumers are spending, but that means what? They're not saving. We want to be a nation of savers and spenders and not just a nation of spenders. Purchases increased about four-tenths of a percent, exceeding the median estimate of what people had thought in the world of economists. The advance was led in automobile dealers and building material stores. Further gains in consumer spending give companies the confidence that they can hire. You know, hire 
fatten up their payroll so that if more demand comes in, that they're there prepared to deliver the demand, the supply for the demand. Now, this consumer spending, it also means if businesses are hiring, then households will continue to shop if they feel confident that they're not going to lose their job. So more employment would ultimately ensure the recovery from the worst recession since the 1930s is sustained. The consumer has remained resilient through this all. And again, it's just, it, it stuns me because the last seven months we've, we've seen consumers spending more than we thought. And it's telling you that, you know, the consumer is resilient. You're listening to 9, 10 a.m. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money Show. You can call the show one of two phone numbers. The 800 number is 345-5639. It's 800-345-5639. Or you can call the 415 number, 322-9101. It's 415-322-9101. Rob Black and Your Money. More. In fact, I got a story on cell phones. Are we using cell phones to call or cell phones to surf? And I'll get to that whole food story as well. It's Rob Black Show, 9, 10 a.m. More steam than talk. like finding a 20 in your inside coat pocket. All right, well, actually, it's more like finding a 10 in your inside coat pocket, but it still feels pretty good. It's the Rob Black Show on 910 AM. More stimulating talk. Does anyone else find it funny that Tony Robbins sounds a little bit like Yoda? Send me an email. I mean, it's weird, right? I don't know if I'd be using his voice in the the radio ads if I were uh, his business model. Anyway, let's talk about some of the, the stories that are out there that I kind of want to wrap up at this point in time. Um, Whole Foods. A lot of people know Whole Foods. And, you know, the joke around Whole Foods is it costs a whole paycheck to shop there. It's expensive. If you're buying your sodas at Whole Foods, you're paying full price. If you're buying your sodas at, at Safeway, you might get a little bit of a discount. If you're buying your sodas at Walmart, it's a lot cheaper. Whole Foods is pricey. That's one of the reasons I like it. Whole Foods is for snobs. That's one of the reasons I like it. I like my my lettuce and my tomatoes slavered in, in pesticides and, and herbicides and um, hormones. You know, the more home, I mean, pump them up. You know, if I have a baby, I want my baby to be a professional ball player. So pump up the hormones. Hormone-free milk? No, yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, I want cheesy poofs. Um, yes, I do want cheesy poofs and sit on my couch and watch television. Um, Whole Foods. It's a stock that's really seen a little bit of a renaissance. They got into a huge amount of trouble when their CEO kind of got all weird and he would log in to his computer as a woman and he'd start putting up really nasty posts against one of Whole Foods competitors. Um, And just the whole company kind of fell apart when the economy fell apart uh, back in late 08. So it went from 60 bucks a share, boom, all the way down to 10 bucks a share. Now it's back up to 40 bucks a share. Telling you again that Americans are shopping and they, they got their snobs and they uh, we don't want our pesticides or our preservatives or, you know, we don't want any sort of cruelty towards the animal. We'll pay for it. We'll pay for it. So ultimately, Whole Foods creates what's considered guiltless eating and shopping. So oh, where do I go with this? They just recently reported a quarter that was pretty good. And an analyst is coming out and saying, let's call this one an outperform. 
It's the largest U.S. natural goods grocer, projected annual profit and sales above previous forecasts. Company said revenue will rise 12% this year. A lot of this, these type of numbers are already built in the stock because when you go from 10 to 40, a lot of this is built in. They had a huge gain tied towards the sale of a property, which kind of creates a, a bogus valuation. What do I mean by that? If you take a look at a company's P and sees that it's 10, but the reason why is because they've, they've recently sold some buildings and they added that to their earnings. Well, next quarter and next year, they don't have the ability to sell those earnings. So it artificially deflates the valuation, much like if the opposite occurs, where maybe a company has a PE of 25 times next year's earnings. But what happened this year was that you know they had to fire a lot of people and take charges, and they, they wiped out any earnings that they had that would you know naturally come back if they just had a normal quarter and didn't fire people in the future. So Whole Foods is getting a little bit of love. Um, to me, I f- it feels a little bit heavy. It feels a little bit pricey. I, I don't necessarily feel comfortable telling you to go into it. It's got a PE of about 41 times this year's earnings, PE of about 26 times next year's. Uh, I think it's tied towards employment. I would rather see employment come back before I put my money into that one. Now, again, if you were to buy it, you'd ultimately you know pony up now. One story out there today that, that kind of jumped out and let me say this let me say this i've put the story up at talk910.com talk910.com it's cell phones they're now used for a lot more than just data and they're they're used for they're used for data more so than calls so one of the things i'm going to do is i'm going to find two to four articles every day that i may or may not talk about on the show that are going to go to the talk910.com page and that will complement the show if you want to have some off time reading so to speak or see what the stories were that most made me ooh and awe in the morning. So cell phones are now being used more for data. Is there an investment angle on this? Of course there is. It's, it's companies that make more routers and, and, and switches and internet gear so that we can get more data through. So the article reads something like this, and it's from the New York Times. She taps out her grocery lists. She records voice memos. She listens to music at the gym. She tracks her caloric intake and posts frequent updates on Twitter and Facebook. The one thing she doesn't use her cell phone for, making calls. So that's kind of interesting because when we were talking to PC Magazine earlier today, and if you missed that, go way back and get a podcast of the show. You can get the podcast of the show. It's um, at talk910.com or it's at Apple iTunes under Rob Black and Your Money, Rob Black and Your Money. And while you're there at iTunes, you could purchase the app and actually stream it onto your iPhone and download episodes and things like that. that that'll make it, you know, for your iPad or your iPod or your iPhone, you can do it there. So Rob Black and Your Money. Only seven people have bought it so far. But, hey, I'm wildly proud of that. I'm wildly proud that I have an app. And um, it's kind of cool. Do you have an app? I mean, I'm, I'm going around showing all the hot chicks the app. Like, hey, look at me. I'm kind of a big deal. Um, anyway, so cell phones, cell phones. They're starting to be used more for data than voice. I would just like a cell phone, and this goes back to that phone call that I had with PC Magazine editor about all the different technologies out there on the Internet where you can make phone calls. Um, so I would like my cell phone just to have crystal clear quality. Here's the conversation I had with Heidi this morning. I called her up at 9.50. I'm running a little late for the show. And um, I'm like, hey, let's do a new new format of the show. Let's start with you know a little bit more hardcore business at the start of the show. And I go, hello? She goes, hello? Can you hear me? I go, can you hear me? Hello? And we played this little game. And every freaking call I make, I seem to do that. I would pay a million dollars a month for crystal clear quality. I want to pay a million dollars a month, but 
I say less data. Let's let's work on the voice of, of cell phones before we go any further. Just my opinion. It seems like credit, not credit quality, but call quality should be getting improving and not going backwards. So Boulder, Colorado, this was another story that hit me. In this last segment of the last day of the week, I tend to throw a lot of stuff against the wall because I want to get rid of some content so I don't have to do it next week. There's an article today about Boulder, Colorado being a magnet for high-tech startups. I am at the point, and I've made this point numerous times, that I don't want to start businesses in California. It's too expensive. It's too prohibitive. The sales tax is too high. The income tax is too high for a state. The property tax is too high. Tax, 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 tax. Too too many taxes. So Boulder, Colorado, and I'm at the point where I want to slow down my life. Probably the next 10, 15 years, I'll I'll leave the Bay Area. And if I wanted to start a business, Boulder, Colorado is the place to do it, they're saying right now. So experienced tech entrepreneurs and investors are sitting alongside people who had just moved to Boulder hoping to start a company. It's a small city. Real estate's cheap. Tech startups are, are, you know, getting funded at a a grabbing attention rate. So far, 11 Colorado tech startups have raised $75 million in venture capital in the first three months of this year, and more is coming. In Silicon Valley, if you're a startup, and here's what a startup typically is. You've got a desk that, that can fit six people in one room. That's what a startup kind of is. It's a small room. It's... Kind of stinks. A little bit of body odor, if you know what I'm saying. In Silicon Valley, you're a small fish in a huge pool. So in Boulder, Colorado, you can make the rounds of all the venture capitalists. You can make the rounds of all the other businesses pretty quickly. So a long list of communities around the country have tried to become the next Silicon Valley. Most of them have failed because you have to get the right mix of money. Bay Area's got a lot of money. you got to get the right mix of universities. We've got Stanford and Berkeley. Huge, huge School for Smart Peoples. We've got a high-tech talent pool. We've got a appealing lifestyle in the Bay Area, i.e. Uh, sunny. So, and that hatches a lot of tech startups. Now, Boulder has been doing the same exact thing. They've got a good university system. They've got the appealing lifestyle. They've got a lot of money coming in. They, they don't have the high-tech talent pool yet, but they're starting to get close. So there's companies like Rally Software and Kerpoof. Poof makes web design tools for children. It was recently acquired by Disney. Rally Software is a company that's fast growing that makes project management software. Um, pretty good stuff. So again, I'm, it, I think the angle that I wanted to get with that story is you are an arrogant SOB if you think California real estate's always going to go up. You are an arrogant SOB because when we start losing the startup status, a lot of fast money leaves the state. A lot of old money leaves the state. A lot of new businesses never get developed here. So we got to change our taxes. Our next governor has got to make it more business friendly if we want to stay on our innovative, cutting edge side. Good article that I put up. And again, this one didn't make it onto the show. It's only going to be at talk910.com. It's from the India Business Wire. And it's talk910.com. And it's an interview with Larry Ellison. And it talks about how he thinks salesforce.com is too expensive. But it also talks about how he wants to do more business, uh, more acquisitions. He wants to acquire more companies. He's a self-made billionaire. And you know, quite honestly, he's an arrogant SOB that he's good for the California. He's really good for California. He's done great as far as creating jobs and, and moving people here. Now he's, he's done a lot of, he's done some, some cutbacks and shutting down for sure. But um, good article that you can only really get the details of. I'm not going to go over it on air because it's kind of uh, business nerdy, but it's at talk910.com under the Rob Black show. And finally today, I want to talk a little bit about state parks. Again, you are an arrogant SOB 
if you think California real estate's always going to go up. Our state parks are struggling. Litter-filled wastelands full of stray dogs, transients, and graffiti. In large part because we've shut down state parks. Now, our president slash governor has talked about how he's going to get funding. He's promised to pay for parks this year. He's expected to announce today a plan to keep them open during the next fiscal year, which begins July 1. Now, his options appear pretty limited, and I think he's not going to be able to do it because his plan before the big oil spill in the Gulf of Mexico was to tie this $100 million that he needs. It's actually $1.3 billion and already backlogged maintenance projects. He wanted to bankroll a lot of this by taxing oil companies to drill off, off the state of California. So that's kind of gone. So it's interesting to note... Because parks are really well used in California. We love our parks. We love having sex in our parks. We love the nature of our parks. We love our parks. California's got more state parks than any other state in the nation. Our state parks cover 1.4 million acres. They include 280 miles of coastline, 625 miles of lake and riverfront. 70 million people visit state parks each year. That's compared to about 16 million who visit Disneyland. 70 million people come to our state parks per year. So, man, I wish I owned Disneyland. Wouldn't that be great to own that? Because that everything in Disneyland, the hotels, the food, it all goes to Disney. It's crazy, crazy to look at. But Schwarzenegger has to cut $24 billion from the budget deficit. So we're going to close more campgrounds. We're going to close more facilities. We're going to shut them down on weekdays. We're going to cut back in seasonal administrative positions. We're going to try to cut down the electricity and the water that are in those areas. There's a lawyer out of Sausalito who got interviewed in this article. And I believe it was in the San Francisco Chronicle. His name was Troy Hansen. And he said he noticed signs announcing closures during a recent visit to Angel Island with his three-year-old son. Angel Island's getting hit. Mount Diablo's getting hit. China Camp uh, State Park's getting hit. Campgrounds, picnic areas, parking lots all being closed. And he said, when I was a kid, I was kind of, or he said, I'm kind of stunned because a highlight of growing up in the Bay Area was always taking the ferry over and playing all day in the cove playing all day at Angel Island. He says, that is now what I do with my son. And if they close Angel Island, if they close state parks, the only thing we're going to be left with is the high cost of living. He's saying what I've been saying. You keep taking away things from us like teachers and parks, and, and we stay with the high cost of living, the high property taxes. We're out of here. I'm out of here. It's Friday. It's Aloha Friday. I love you people. If you're in the 10-hour loyal listener club, look for your badges to come in the mail soon. It's Rob Black and your money, 9, 10 a.m. Talk to you on Monday. I'll be here till the end of time. So you got to let me know. Should I stay? Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.